Welcome to the Reimagining Prison Podcast. Today we have a special podcast because actually this is going to be our last podcast for a while. I'm retiring from prison fellowship after nearly 22 years of being here. And I have a guest today, Chris Hendrick. Chris was formerly a guest on the Reimagining Prison Podcast some years back. And Chris is actually going to be my successor as the leader of the Warden Exchange program. He is now the national director of the Warden Exchange, having started in March. We've been working together since then. We thought it'd be interesting for both of us to sit down and actually have a conversation together and interview each other as part of our last podcast. So Chris, welcome back to the Reimagining Prison Podcast. Well, thank you so much, Sam. I really appreciate it. And uh, I really want to, I, I really am excited about asking these questions. And it's, it truly has been a blessing working with you since March. Um, not, we don't often get that opportunity, do we, to work with our successors um, through that amount of time. Um, and your journey with um, prison fellowship and everything. It, I really would like to know what was your journey to the Warden Exchange Program? Well, I'll, I'll start back how first with my journey with Prison Fellowship. I actually was in healthcare for 20 years. And uh, uh, when I came to Prison Fellowship, I was an operations director for the Iowa Health System. And uh, at the time, someone uh, come to my house and, and shared with me a videotape of a prison program that had just started in Texas a couple of years earlier. And it was coming to Iowa. I was going to be the second state in the nation for this program and wanted to know if I was interested in coming to be a volunteer. And I said, no, not really. I just really had no interest, even though I lived most of my life 30 minutes down the highway from a state correctional facility, I, I didn't have an interest, but my friend kept up with me and eventually asked me to come to visit the prison. And I thought that would be interesting to go visit a prison and do a little speaking. And I did that and, I, I, and it changed my mind. I thought this is not what I thought it was. So actually I started with prison fellowship as a volunteer back in 1999. And wow. I had been a volunteer for about three months and the director, the program director, uh, resigned. And so there was an opening and someone happened to say to me, I know you have a great job and you wouldn't be interested, but did you know that the director's job is open at the uh, Newton Correctional Facility for this program? I said, no, I, I didn't know that. So uh, I was volunteering for that program at the time. So long story short, I put my name in, I was hired. And that was in the year 2000 and worked at the Newton facility for around four years before uh, becoming the national director uh, of all of the programs at, at, at the time there. But actually, the Warden Exchange was started, I believe, in 2014. The first director's name was Pedro Moreno, and Pedro left in 2017 uh, to go to work for the administration. And uh, I had always helped with the Warden Exchange around the edges. I, I thought it was a great program, was very interested in it. And I just uh, uh, contacted our CEO, James Ackerman, and asked him, would you consider letting me uh, lead the warning change program? And he said, yes, we'll make some changes to your job. And uh, I was able to become the uh, warning change director in 2017. So I've been with the program for about uh, five years, four or five years. Amazing. And one of the things that came through being with the warden exchange was the, uh, was these, the podcast, the warden exchange podcast, reimagining prison. Um, Really great, really great guest on those. But I always notice that when, when you're doing those podcasts, you usually ask the guests, what has changed in corrections since you started and how have you changed? And I'm very curious, what would be your answer to that question, Sam? Yeah, corrections has changed. I mean, I first came to work in a prison in the year 2000. So that was 21 years ago. 
And I, there's been a lot of changes from 21 years, uh, particularly in the last 10. I think there's a, a great advancement toward rethinking, or as the podcast is, reimagining prison, what prison is to be and what's possible. Um, you know, one of the things I always remember for one of the early warden exchange groups is we were having a discussion about what is success. And when we asked the group of wardens in the group to answer that question, what is success? One of them shouted out, count cleared. And I've always remembered that because obviously we want our count to clear. I mean, nobody, nobody doesn't want their count to clear. That's basic. Uh, but if that's the definition of success, that's a pretty low bar. It's like saying our mission is to reduce recidivism. Well, of course it is. But if that's, if that's all there is to it, uh, that's a pretty low bar of success. So I, th I think we're moving toward, uh, we're moving away from just looking at bad things not happening into asking ourselves the question, what good things can happen and can we invest in to have happen? Um, <clears throat> I remember early on in my uh, days of working in a prison as a program director, two, two memories stand out. The front, I was having a discussion with the front desk CEO and he was absolutely convinced that all we were doing was a waste of time. And he said, Sam, you're wasting your time. These people don't change. They won't change. They can't change. They're just fooling you. And I was telling him, no, that's not true. Now, some are manipulative, yes. Some won't change because they choose not to, yes. But there are people who do change. But I didn't convince him either. On, on the last day of our program, we lost our funding in 2008 or so. The last day of the program, I was in the prison. It's interesting because the unit manager at the time came and shook my hand and he said, Sam, this is the best thing that's ever happened in my 30 years in corrections. Because he was up close and he saw it, he worked in it every day. But I was in the muster room turning in my keys. And there was another CO in the muster room. And I, I knew who he was. He didn't work in our unit. And he, he was a pretty decent, pretty decent guy. And he came up and he said, Sam, I, I know that your program's closing today. I said, yes, it is. He goes, well, I'm very happy about that. And I, I kind of, I said, wow, why would you say that? And his answer has always stuck with me because I just want this to be a prison again. And again, we did things way out of the box. Uh, the Newton Correctional Facility at the time was led by a warden who's now retired, his name was John Mathis. And John was a very forward thinker. And John was the guy that really uh, mentored me uh, as a new person who had never worked in corrections, being a leader of a program within the prison and really taught me a lot and was very forward thinking and had personally asked for this program to be in his prison. And our, our second warden, Terry Mames, again, a very forward, innovative thinker. And I think over the last 20 years, that forward thinking has really caught on around the country. You hear it from directors and superintendents. You hear it from many of our wardens within the program. And you even hear it uh, from the line people who have bought into the fact that the prison could be so much more maybe than what we thought it could be. As far as, as, far as me, what's changed in me, I think the best way to describe that is before I came to work uh, or even before I volunteered in a prison, I, I, I probably had a typical American attitude that they made their bed, let them sleep in it. I just, I just never thought of um, going to do anything in a prison. And what changed me was actually walking through the gate and sitting down and talking to incarcerated men and talking to staff and realizing they're people and it just flipped a switch somewhere within me 
And of course, now I look at prisons and I realize how much potential there are in prisons in this country and with the thousands of people, tens of thousands more, of course, who are incarcerated. There's tons of potential. Now there's people obviously that should never get out, but there's lots of people who come out who have second chances, who can, who can really prosper in our communities and be a positive influence. That's an amazing journey, my friend. Um, thank you so much for that. Now you've done a lot of podcasts. Um, what would you say your most memorable podcast would have been? I, I would, you know, our podcast actually grew out of the Warden Change program <clears throat> because we had, we had such super speakers. And the question came is, man, can't we have a bigger audience for some of these speakers? So they're so good and they're so interesting. So that's how the podcast got started. But if I had to, I'd, I'd probably pick two. I, it's hard to pick one. It's hard to pick two. But I think the two that stand out for me was I went to Oregon, Bob Waddington and I, went to the Oregon uh, to, to interview two staffs and the director. So we went to Oregon State Penitentiary and we went to Snake River uh, Correctional Institution. And then we interviewed the director uh, there as well. And that was a fascinating series of podcasts because they have incorporated some of the Norway model. Uh, they call it the Oregon way. And we heard, we heard not only from the uh, superintendent or wardens of those facilities, but we heard from uh, uh, correctional leaders as well, such as captains and lieutenants and sergeants and so forth. And it was so interesting to see the vision and the passion of the officers in that institution who were committed to uh, instituting some of the model from Norway. It was just fascinating. The, the other one was a similar situation where Bob and I went to the state of Michigan and interviewed their director as well, Heidi Washington, and interviewed, uh, we did a two-part interview with several of the incarcerated men at the Muskegon Institution. What, we, what that was about, what we talked about was inmate leadership. And those are two words that make some people nervous when you put them together. But uh, Dylan Shaw was one of the people that we, we interviewed. I can't remember the other gentleman's name, but Dylan is now out. Uh, is on staff, has gotten married, is on staff at a church, I think, in the Muskegon area, and uh, is doing great. But it was a fascinating interview on how people can change and be transformed and be a positive influence within the prison community itself. So those are probably my two favorites off the top of my head. Great, great. Now, you, you mentioned leadership, so I, I want to change gears here for a minute. I want to ask you about your, um, your leadership experience um, with the Warden Exchange. Um, what, in your view, has been the highlight of your time leading the Warden Exchange program? Well, I, th I think for the last, uh, since 2017, uh, <clears throat> almost five years of programming, I think the, the highlight has been just how much we, we've grown. Um, you know, it was kind of in a pilot era when I took over in 2017. It had only gone for a couple of years. We, were, we had 15 residency wardens in the residency program. We were just experimenting with an online program with very few people. But since then, we've greatly expanded the online program and also expanded the residency program and added a third program this past year. And so we've gone from around 20 people a year. I think this year we, we enrolled 120. I think next year the plans are going to 
change again, and I'm going to ask you some questions about this one, uh, going up to 154. Uh, and I think one of the things that have, and, and the, the other thing we did this year is we instituted vision plans for all the participants, just not the residency. And, and you know, because you've been online on these last few weeks of vision plans where people are presenting them, we're, we're getting some amazing, innovative vision plans for facilities across the country. You know, we, we challenge the wardens and participants to, to do one of three things, have their vision plans uh, uh, center around, number one, fixing a problem or fixing something that's broke, or maybe improving a, a process or improving something you do. You're, you're already doing an okay job at it, but you wanna hit it out of the ballpark, or innovating and creating a solution to something that you've never done before. And we've had uh, vision plans on all three of those topics and just some amazing work uh, has been done. So that's probably uh, the two things that stand out for me, Chris. I know when I went through the uh, Warden Exchange Program, <clears throat> you have some great speakers and some great guests and everything. I I've got to ask you, um, when you were running it, what's your most memorable guests? I'm not sure I could... I'm not sure I can put it down to one. And if I start listing them, I'm going to get in trouble because I'm going to leave people out who might be offended that I didn't mention them, <laughs> which I don't mean to do, but, but I don't, uh, I don't have the, the list of all the guests we've ever had. I'll, I'll put them in groups. Um, we've had some directors and superintendents come on as guests uh, this year. For instance, we've had uh, Dean Williams from Colorado. We had a great discussion. In fact, Dean, I think came in maybe a couple of times, great discussion. Uh, with Dean about his uh, experience in Alaska and talked about uh, those issues there that he's dealt with through his career. Uh, Gary Moore, retired from Ohio, uh, has been on, does a great job. Um, and then we, we have a great advisory panel with the Warren Exchange. And these are people who are national, international leaders who advise us uh, on the program, uh, who also serve in a mentoring relationship with our wardens. The, they come on, for instance, some of them come on these calls where the, the wardens are uh, presenting their vision plans to their peers and offer uh, insight and comments to them. Uh, Reggie Wilkinson, former director of Ohio, has been a guest and always fascinating to listen to Reggie talk. Uh, Leanne uh, Birch, former director of North Dakota, now is uh, works for MTC, is always a great guest and talks about the Norway model and how, what she's done in Nor or what she's done in North Dakota. Pat Caruso, former director and obviously in Michigan, is a guest in uh, uh, the rest of our advisory panel members as well. Doug Drecke, who runs the, uh, I can't remember the name of the, the Correctional Management Institute out of Sam Houston State in Texas. Uh, Randy uh, from California, uh, Ed Duffy, former ward in New York, Ian Bickers is from England, does a great presentation on procedural justice. And of course, Burl Kane, who's now the director or superintendent uh, commissioner down in Mississippi, and Alan Cropsey, who's a former legislator, who gives a really interesting uh, point of view from a legislator's point of view on corrections. Uh, but somebody, you know, one of the most memorable guests that I enjoyed was, was a gentleman by the name of Greg Strobel. Uh, what Greg brought to, to the wardens is a review uh, of the investigation into the Abu Ghraib uh, scandal, if you want to call it that, where these photographs were made of uh, incarcerated people in Iraq that were very bad. And, and it ends up being discussion about ethics and how good people can end up doing bad things and how leadership can prevent that. It's a fascinating discussion. 
And from, from this year, one of the more interesting ones that I remember is Sir Martin Nary, who used to be the director of prisons in the United Kingdom. Uh, Bob and I heard him actually last year, or the year before in Argentina at the International Corrections Conference and invited him to speak to our wardens. And he talked about uh, the relationship of prison culture and programming. And as one, one of our other speakers said, you can have the best soil and the best seed and take it, take it to Antarctica and it won't grow anything. And so Sir Martin Neri was talking about the issue is until we change culture and increase our environmental atmosphere within a prison, it's gonna affect how much change can happen through our programming. So it was a fascinating discussion with them. That's, that's just a few, I could list 20 more guests. Oh, and I, I imagine you could. I, I've just been so impressed with some of the things that I've seen. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit later. But one of the things I wanted to add to that question right there is during your travels, you've, you've toured a lot of institutions and, and toured prisons and everything. Um, what, are some of the, what are some of the takeaways from, from seeing firsthand the implementation of some of these things that um, people are thinking outside the box of. I, I heard several times you talk about when you and Bob toured North Dakota. I was wondering if you would share that with us, just the impact it had on you from what they were doing in North Dakota. Well, it was it was fascinating because one of the things they did is they put the uh, some of the incarcerated population in charge of a tour. And, and when they put them in charge, they put them in charge. They designed it. They led it. They spoke to us. And they did an excellent, excellent job. And of course, um, they encourage their officers to have great rapport with the incarcerated. They do things with them. And, and, and to be honest, Chris, I mean, I sat in the gymnasium and watched officers play basketball with the incarcerated or volleyball. And as, as forward thinking as I think I am, I had a cringe because, you know, 20 years ago when I started, that would have never been allowed. You couldn't, you, you couldn't believe to do something like that. But uh, when you talk to the North Dakota folks, that it, it does not, if people are well-trained on how to exercise good rapport, uh, it bears good fruit, not bad fruit. So uh, lots of interesting things. And I, I was sitting in the gym talking to one of the incarcerated men sitting next to me who had been incarcerated in a different state. And he said, I've never been, I've never been in a prison like this. And I said, if you can sum it up in a sentence, what's the difference? And he said, they treat me like a person. Now, I think that's, that speaks volumes to the staff uh, at the North Dakota Penitentiary that someone would say that. Yes, yeah, Sam, and, and that brings me up to the last thing I wanted to, to, to ask you here is um, one thing that has to happen for us to reimagine prison, the community has to be involved. Well, I, I, think, I think two things. Uh, number one, you have to have a vision. As one of the people said at our vision plan this morning, because we were on a call before this, you know, they said something interesting. They said, you have to know where you are now and you have to know where you want to go. And I think people have to take a look at where they are now. It's not all bad. There's lots of good things that are happening in, everywhere. Um, but you have to be honest in your assessment. And then you have to, you have to say what, what's possible. What can we do that maybe we haven't done before and really have a vision to reimagine prison? Uh, but secondly, I think, and this is a bigger one, the community has to be involved. And I think it has to be involved for a number of reasons. Number one, they have a stake in the outcome. 
Uh, they obviously have a stake in the incarcerated population because there's families of those people that live in our communities and they're gonna come out, most of them, and live in our communities as well. And, and the fact of the matter is the correctional staff, there's no way they, that, that it's possible they can do what needs to be done by themselves because there's just not enough of them. Um, I know in the unit I worked in, there was when I started in 2000, there was 196 men in that cell block. Uh, on a typical day or afternoon shift, there was three officers. There's no way those three officers can do, do it all by themselves. So there's a whole lot of community people I think that needs to be introduced to prison, needs to be encouraged to tour and visit. I never would have done what I've done for the past almost 22 years if someone would not have allowed me to tour a prison and get through the gates and give me a glimpse of what's there. And, you know, as well as I do, because you're, you're a corrections person, you know, for a lot of years, corrections have been closed to the public. They have big fences around them uh, and they're, sec they're secret. People don't know what's going on. And so that's changed a lot in the last 20 years. I think we have to throw open the gates and really, really encourage the community to come in. Because I think one of the things that I've learned in working with folks in prison for the last 20 years is, you know, one of our formerly incarcerated people said it best on a call uh, when he was a guest speaker, that there's some conversations that have to happen in prison. And unless they, unless they happen in prison, you probably won't change when you get out. Uh, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of traumatic experiences that people live through, and that, that isn't an excuse for their crime at all. But it does explain sometimes why people do things that they do. And I think one of the things that has to happen is people have to recalibrate what normal is. And one of the best ways to recalibrate what normal is, is to bring normal everyday people into the prison, as many as you can get in there to engage the incarcerated population, because they can, they can have some conversations and engagement that even the people who work in prison either cannot do or may not feel comfortable doing. Uh, and, and I just think we have to be creative. One of the things we did in, in Newton many years ago when I was there, we had a local, uh, uh, employer from Pella, Vermeer Manufacturing. And Vermeer is a global company. They make balers and they make uh, all kinds of equipment. And they, they wanted to volunteer in a prison. But, you know, when we think of volunteers in prison, many times we think of religious volunteers. And that's fine. I mean, I work for Princeton Fellowship. I love religious volunteers and there's a place for them. But we need to create space for people who don't want to do religious volunteering like this employer. So what we came to is they they came into the prison and they ran a lead manufacturing course. Now you can't bring manufacturing equipment into prison, but what they did is they brought balsa wood, you know, those little paper, remember balsa airplanes that we used to have as kids? Yeah. They, they brought balsa wood airplanes and created an assembly line of putting together balsa wood airplanes and applied the principles of lead manufacturing to that. Had a classroom piece and a clinic piece. And at the end, the incarcerated men who went through the program got a certificate for so many hours of lean manufacturing education. I think we need to be super creative uh, to get employers like that to come and engage people. Again, a recalibration of what normal is. And by the way, they hired one of our folks who got released from prison. It was the first formerly incarcerated person they've ever employed who ended up being one of their managers. So that's a great story. That is amazing. And it is true. It's kind of like that circle of, um, completion um, for retribution <clears throat> to society and having everybody involved at all ends, especially from entry to re-entry and, 
and leading them with success. So thank you so much, Sam. Those are the, those are all the questions I had I wanted to, to ask you about. Well, I'll ask you some questions uh, for the next part of the podcast. You actually uh, are a graduate of the Warden Exchange program. I think you came in in year two. How did you hear about the Warden Exchange and how, what was your journey to actually being a participant? Well, in uh, 20, see, 2015, um, actually in 2014, I was up for promotion for Warden. And um, this evidently, um, from what I'm learning now, this was evidently the recruitment um, process for the 2015 year. Um, the regional director, Randy Tift, um, called me and told me that I was going to be promoted to warden at Martin CI and told me that I was going to be involved in the warden exchange program. Um, so immediately I went to Google and he gave me Pedro Marino's phone number to call. So I called and spoke to Pedro and got my team that I was that was going to be at Martin CI all lined up to start on January 2015 in Montgomery, Alabama, and we were going to tour the uh, Tutwiler facility after they had um, they had a lot of federal issues that they were dealing with right now, and they had gone through the warden exchange program, and the warden there just had some tremendous strides that he had he had made to turn that environment around. So it kind of came with my promotion. Um, to get there and what an amazing experience it was, Sam. Um, being able to learn that you're not on an island by yourself as a warden. Um, wardens across the nation are experiencing the same kind of issues that you are. But what the Warden Exchange gave you was a broader perspective of how to manage your facility and look at it more as a community um, with the health and well being of the incarcerated men and women. <clears throat> and actually take on the role of, of like the mayor of that community to ensure everybody's safety. And they had great speakers. Um, we had to present um, um, the vision plan. They were called something. I just can't remember what they were action called. Plans, I think back then. Action plan. Yeah. yeah. We had to submit an action plan and, and we were really excited about it because I was actually new to that institution. So I was able to bring in, you know, these kind of out of the box ideas and, you know, like add and please and thank you for your vocabulary was um, something that usually wasn't received very well um, due to the culture of the, of the institution at that time. But with the education that I got through Warden Exchange, the mentoring and coaching from the advisory panel at that time, which uh, was Randy Grounds, uh, Reggie Wilkinson, um, Pat Caruso, and they just really brought a lot to the table. And it's really different hearing from business executives and CEOs and how you can relate that. So challenge accepted and I moved forward and, and we were really successful with our action plans and implementation of the processes that we came up with to change the culture at Martin. And actually it was the proudest moment of my career with the Florida Department of Corrections was my uh, was my experience at Martin CI, and a lot of it had to do with um, what I learned through the Warden Exchange program. And you came to the Warden Exchange as the national director in March. You retired after thirty years with the uh, Florida Department of Corrections, and before after Martin, I believe you were the bureau chief for professional development training. So, what's been your experience? What's st what stood out uh, for you in the last few months since taking the helm and transitioning? to basically take my place? 
Well, the first thing I have to give credit to and recognition to is, is really Prison Fellowship Ministries. This is an amazing organization. And to have this program that, that reaches out um, to another sector of the prison environment from the top down is just amazing. The, one of the things that stands out the most to me is the potential that we have to really impact change. And that was one of the things I was struggling with when I was going to retire from the Florida Department of Corrections is I kind of wanted to dedicate the rest of my life to helping uh, correctional professionals and men and women so that they have a better understanding that when we treat people differently, there's a different result and it makes our lives easier if we can have that dynamic security involvement like the Norway model where our engagement with these incarcerated men and women changes to that professional level, it makes life so much easier for the correctional professionals because they begin to be trusted more and they begin to be looked at as human beings and well, and not just as that authority figure that nobody can trust. And I think that stands out the most for me, Sam, is, is the impact that we're gonna be able to have um, with, with helping wardens become more resilient um, our, our senior security supervisors, giving them um, some resiliency to be able to reimagine how they manage their, their, their officers now. And the product that has been handed off to me is something that I'm so proud of, the evolution of the Warden Exchange Program, because what it does is it gives me such a good foundation to build upon. Um, right now, and, and, and that's what I'm the proudest of. And I think that's what stands out the most to me is our future that we have and how we can impact more and more people. To, to close our podcast, why don't you <clears throat> describe, <coughs> excuse me, describe for our audience the three basic programs. We have actually three different programs that we run for the Word Exchange. Why don't we talk about 2022? Because we're winding down on the 2021 programs now. And you're starting to recruit for 2022 and beyond. So why don't you uh, describe those programs uh, to our audience? And uh, if they're interested, what should they do? All right. Well, one of the things that we looked at is um, we, we heard from some of the directors and, and some of the wardens that it's hard to pull the entire leadership team from an institution. So we wanted to think more strategic and strategic and tactically when we were looking at how we can make this happen, but still include that entire team, because that's really important, having the entire team of the institution. So historically, we recruited 18 people for a residency, which is one of our programs, and that would be the warden and their two associate or deputy wardens that would go along with that program. So what we're going to do different this year is, is we're going to reimagine warden exchange program and uh, what we can do to impact more prisons while still bringing that impact of the, the connectivity for the entire executive team at one institution. So we're gonna be recruiting 18 wardens for the residency this year only. And then what we're gonna do is our new online cohort is going to be dedicated specifically for their deputy and associate wardens at that institution. So if a warden wants to go to our residency program, He'll commit to bringing his um, two deputy wardens in on the online program, which will run consecutive with them. And we wanted to put more um, 
practical application into the program as well. So the wardens will actually have some assignments that they have to do with their deputy wardens each week, which will bring them closer together and they'll be able to communicate their experiences from the online version versus the residency version as well. And of course, deputy wardens will be able to stand in if the warden can't make it to one of the three residency programs that we have. Then we have our online cohort, which is going to be 75 wardens or, or associate wardens throughout the uh, nation. And those will be uh, three cohorts of 25 each and we'll um, recruit for that as well. And that's a very dynamic, you know, when we were talking the other day after some of the vision plans, I'm amazed at the networking that's going on just on our online cohorts. The way that they, they pull together as a team, they help each other, they exchange vision and ideas, which to me is, is the core root of Warden Exchange. It's not about like a, a student exchange program, but it's an exchange of ideas and, and, how, and creativity and being innovative and outside the box and, and seeing what other people are doing that are being having great success with things. It's an exchange of vision and ideas um, for the Warden Exchange. And I'm just incredibly impressed about how that has developed on these online cohorts, especially with the vision plans being implemented this year that you did um, with all of that. But then the other uh, program that we're gonna run um, this year is our senior security supervisors um, training. And that's going to be for chiefs of security, captains, lieutenants, people that manage the people that are on the ground, the boots on the ground every day that are dealing with the incarcerated men and women 100% of the time. And the contact hours just, you know, let's just take Maine for an example. Um, Maine correctional staff have 21,000, over 21,000 contact hours a day that are positive interactions. And then you have one bad incident and it can turn that into a big publicity incident because we have to look at what we're doing every day. We have contact with the incarcerated population from our correctional staff every day, the boots on the ground and giving the security supervisors um, this education and exposure to this type of training, um, I think will really help, especially when the um, warden and their deputy wardens have been through the program it would really push them to that. So how do you get involved? Um, you send me an email. Um, we'll be sending out, um, Sam, you're gonna be sending out your alumni email soon too to everyone. Mm -hmm. But we um, feel free to contact me and, and let me know. Um, hopefully our information will be up at the end of the podcast or you can go to um, Prison Fellowship Ministries and look up Warden Exchange. There's that, that, there's that route there as well too. Um, but yeah, we're... Uh, we want to get some more folks in and we want to impact lives and, and help reimagine the uh, prison. Okay. Thanks, Chris. Uh, I would encourage people, if you want to go to wardenexchange.org, wardenexchange.org at the bottom of the page, there is a contact information. If you're interested in the Warden Exchange program, you can basically fill that out and send it in. Uh, you know, we've never really marketed the program. Uh, we write our alumni. We ask alumni to talk to their peers and it takes about 30 days and all our slots are filled. So it fills up pretty quickly. Uh, if you're interested, uh, go to wardenexchange.org, fill out that sheet, and we'd be happy to visit with you. Uh, well, Chris, I want to thank you for being our guest on the Reimagining Prison podcast today and wish you the best of luck taking over the Warden Exchange. And for 2022, it's going to be a great year. 
I appreciate it, Sam. And uh, let me just really share with everybody. Thank you so much for everything that you've done for the program and the level that you took it to. And I am honored, so honored to be able to, to follow in your footsteps and make you proud of what we're going to be able to do as a team and uh, keep you involved as much as we can along the way with phone calls and emails. And please, please continue uh, when we call, please be one of our guests. Oh, we'll look forward to it. Thanks, Chris.